Before church home for the new year, I would love for you to be here next week when Kevin starts a brand new sermon series called Together. Uh, it's going to be a great series to start off the month of January, and so I encourage you to be back here next week as we get back into our typical schedule. So this service uh, will start at 8.45, we will have Bible classes, and then we will have our 11 a.m. service in the Whip Family Life Center. We hope everyone had a good holiday weekend last week. Uh, holiday week last week, and we hope you have a good week coming up and a happy new year. And I picked a text this morning uh, that I thought would be an appropriate text to transition us from the end of one year into the beginning of a new year. And so I want to read one small portion of Hebrews 2 uh, that Michael just read for us, just to hear um, a particularly powerful verse that I want us to, to center on this morning. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 2 starting in verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men and women holy and those who are made holy are all of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them siblings. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning, and we are grateful that you know just what we need, whether we enter this new year with a, a sense of apprehension and anxiety, or whether we enter this new year with a sense of excitement and anticipation, I pray that wherever we find ourselves, that these promises of Jesus that we are given in Hebrews 2 would speak a word to us this morning that is true to who you are. And so I pray that you would pour through me the gift of preaching and teaching, and that you would give us all the gift of open hearts, that we would hear your voice, and by your voice we would be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, and we pray these things in his name. Amen. This past week I went on a bit of a journey uh, it was uh, a warm Christmas Eve day, and so uh, there was a park close to my hometown in Clarksville, Tennessee, where my family lives, and so I decided to head over to the park uh, to go on a, a quick trail run. Uh, and if you've ever been on a trail hike or walk or jog or however you go down a trail, uh, you know that a well-worn trail will have a well-worn path below your feet that you can follow and complete the trail. What I had forgotten was is that even though it didn't feel like the middle of winter, it was the middle of winter, which meant that all of the leaves that were on the trees had fallen over and covered that well-worn path. And so it was pretty soon into that run that I was no longer sure if I was on the trail or not. I wasn't lost, but I wasn't found either. And so I, I had this moment of, of mild panic, not knowing if I was there on the trail or not. But there's also a second marking system on this trail, and most trails if you've been on one, and that is a series of red spray-painted dots that were scattered along different trees along that trail. And so even though I wasn't sure below me if I was on the trail, I could see these red dots and I would know that I was still on the trail. I was still on the right path. And so whenever I would see one of those red dots, this wave of relief would come over me. 
Uh, and it would be reassuring and motivating for me to keep going a little further because I knew I was on the right path. I knew whenever I saw those red dots that someone had been there before me and simply knowing that made all the difference. Simply knowing that someone has been there before you can make all of the difference. And this is true in one sense, like I learned last week in a very literal way. Someone had literally been on that trail before me to spray paint those red dots. But it's also true in a broader sense, that as we journey through life, as we journey down the path of faith, knowing that someone has been there before us can make all the difference. And that's one of the reasons why I love the book of Hebrews, because the book of Hebrews is written to a group of people who feel a bit lost on the journey of faith. They're a bit discouraged and disillusioned about where they are in this journey. They're asking a lot of questions because all of these promises of Scripture that they had been given, they look around them and the reality of their lives doesn't quite mesh with the promises of Scripture. They, they had been promised that they are crowned with glory and honor and dominion, and yet when they looked around, they did not see a place of glory and honor and dominion. They were at a place where they did not feel like they had any power. They were at a place where they did not feel like they had in any influence, and so they had been walking down this journey of faith for a while, and they looked down below their feet, and all of a sudden, the path had been covered up by a winter season of faith. And they weren't quite sure if they were still on the path or if they still wanted to stay on the path. Have you ever been at that place in the journey of faith? That place where something happens and you feel a bit lost. You feel a bit disappointed. You feel a bit disillusioned. All of the promises of Scripture don't quite mesh with the reality of your life. And it leaves you in this weird place. Maybe it was a loss that leaves you lonely. Maybe it was a betrayal that leaves you bitter. Maybe it was a disappointment that left you feeling burnt. Or maybe it was opposition that made you feel way too overwhelmed. I don't know what it is that led you to that place, but if you've ever been at that place, then you know how many new temptations you face. One of the biggest temptations being that you're tempted to quit. You're tempted to drift away. You're not sure if you're on the journey anymore, and you're not sure if you want to keep going on the journey anymore. And it's to that very predicament, it's to that very person that the writer of Hebrews gives to us this powerful and central image about Jesus. He reminds the church then and the church now of one of the fundamental convictions about Jesus that we can never forget. Because right after he addresses the fact that there were these promises of Scripture, but they looked around and they didn't quite see reality fitting with those promises of Scripture, he writes this, but we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, 
so by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. In May of 1804, a group of U.S. Army volunteers were commissioned by President Thomas Jefferson to go on a mission west. And under the leadership of two key leaders, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, this group of individuals headed out to do two things with the Louisiana Purchase that was made the year before in 1803. The first thing that they were commissioned to do was simply to explore this newly purchased territory. And secondly, and equally as important, they were intended to create a trail and a path that other people could follow to go where they had gone. And so a few years later, when they returned, they had accomplished both of these missions. Not only had they explored this territory and brought back tons of artifacts, but they had also created a path and a trail that others could follow. That if they did, it would lead them all the way to what we now know today as the state of Oregon. And because of their efforts, they, they now live in our American imaginations forever because of this extremely significant mission that they went on. And because of their efforts, we now have one of the greatest computer games of all time, the Oregon Trail. Can I get a witness? Thank you, Richard. Lewis and Clark were pioneers in the truest sense of the word because they blazed a trail that other people were intended to follow. That's what pioneers do. Pioneers create a path for the sake of others. And so when the author of Hebrews calls Jesus a pioneer, which is a better translation of the word author, which is what some translations translated here, he's making a significant claim about who Jesus is. That Jesus is this individual who has blazed a trail for others to follow. Now the word he uses here is really significant uh, because it's only used four times in the whole New Testament. It's used twice in the book of Acts where it's translated prince or ruler and here twice in the book of Hebrews, once here and once later. And it's this really important word because it would have been a really common word in the ancient world that would have been used as, translated as prince or ruler, like it is in the book of Acts. Uh, but it also carried this idea or a title of someone who would go and found a city or someone who would go and found an organization. Um, it communicated this idea of being the first in a series. And so when the author of Hebrews uses this title for Jesus. He's making this significant claim that Jesus is the first in a series. That Jesus is founding something and starting something that other people are going to follow behind, hence the word pioneer. So that this church, even though they're at a place where they look down and they're not sure if they're on the journey of faith still, if they're still at this place where they're feeling like they're drifting away. 
where they're not sure if they want to keep going. It's to those people that this author of Hebrews holds up this image of Jesus as pioneer, as someone who has gone before them. And one of the most important aspects of what this means for the church then and the church now is that Jesus has become like us in every way, in every respect. That's what this author wants us to know this morning. That when we look to Jesus, the pioneer, one of the things that that means is that Jesus understands what it's like. Jesus gets it. Jesus has walked this path of life and faith before, just like you and just like me. And this is why this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Because it's this powerful reminder of who Jesus is. Jesus is one who has blazed a trail. Jesus is one who has become like us in every respect. And when we know that someone has walked the path before us, it can make all the difference. I experienced this in a very uh, personal way a few years back. A few years back, I I was going through a dry season, uh, not just in life, but in faith, and I was wrestling with some different questions. Uh, And one of the questions that I was wrestling with was this um, deep question about whether or not I wanted to do ministry over the long haul, Um, if this was going to be a lifelong trajectory for me. And so there was a minister in the area that I knew of that had been a minister for decades at several different churches. And so I basically cold called him one day and asked him to go to lunch. We didn't know each other directly, but we had a common acquaintance, and so he was very gracious. And so we met for lunch, and we began talking. And pretty soon into the lunch conversation, I just went ahead and laid my cards on the table and told him that I had an agenda for our lunch. And I began to talk to him about some of those questions and those wrestlings and that dry season that I was in. And I wanted to hear from him as someone who had done ministry for decades how he had done it and what had happened to him. And so he began to share. He shared about his call to ministry. Uh, He shared about how ministry had impacted and shaped his family. He talked about some of the successes that he had experienced and also some of the setbacks. He talked about some of the highs. He talked about some of the lows. He talked about his season of depression that he had to get help with. He shared with me a ton of things that I did not expect him to share. And after he shared for a while, he then turned the conversation towards me and he began to ask me some questions. And because he had been so honest with me, I decided to be very honest with him. And so I was very honest about some things that had happened. I was very honest about some questions that I was wrestling with. I talked to him about some successes and some setbacks, some ups and some downs. And what I noticed was that whenever I talked about some of those setbacks, whenever I talked about some of the stresses and those down moments, his whole demeanor changed. And he took on this posture of tenderness and understanding. And even a few times when I was sharing stories with him, he goes, yeah, it's so hard when that happens. And there was nothing magical that happened over the course of that lunch. There was nothing particularly insightful that he said that 
completely changed my world. But there was something about just sitting with someone who got it. There was something about just sitting with someone who had been there before that made all the difference. And I couldn't help but think of that lunch from a few years ago as I read our passage this morning. Because I couldn't help but imagine us sitting down with our older brother Jesus, sharing with him the struggles and the grief and the doubt and the anger and the uncertainty. And I can't help but imagine him and his whole demeanor changing to a posture of tenderness and understanding. Because he knows what it's like. Jesus is a pioneer. Jesus is our pioneer. Which means that he became like us in every respect. He became fully human and he has walked this path before and he gets it. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through. And yet that's not the most important part about what it means for Jesus to be our pioneer. Because what's most important is to know that that Jesus doesn't come just to be in solidarity with us, but Jesus comes to save us. Jesus doesn't come just to understand us in every respect, but to save us in every respect. Jesus is not just any kind of pioneer. He's the pioneer of salvation. Jesus is the pioneer of salvation who leads us on the journey of faith through death into life. Because that's what we can't forget about pioneers. They're headed somewhere. Uh, Trailblazers have a destination. They have a purpose. They have a place that they are going. And right in the middle of our passage, we are told where Jesus is going and where Jesus has gone. Since, therefore, the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Jesus deals with death, capital D, and everything that it entails. The sorrow, the suffering, the frustration, the tears, the life, death, and burial, and resurrection of Jesus conquers and defeats that once and for all. And it is this beautiful thing to know that Jesus, who walked through the valley of the shadow of death, came out on the other side that is life. And so for those of us who are in Christ, who are following this path, no matter where we are, even if it is in the valley of the shadow of death, we know where this destination goes. We know where this path goes. The destination is life. Uh, One of the pictures that you see behind me is, is currently one of my favorite pieces of Christian art. And it's this powerful painting to me that I, I've, I've reflected on a lot. And it depicts that moment when Jesus defeats death once and for all. And it's a really complicated painting, and we could linger over it for a while, but there's a few things that I just want you to notice and see. First, front and center, obviously, this is a painting about the resurrected Jesus. That is front 
and sinner. There is no doubt about that. But what's also significant is just below him, and it's hard to see it in this particular rendering of the painting. There is a a darker space, and if you zoomed in really close, you would see a skeleton lying on its back that symbolically represents death being defeated once and for all, the resurrected Lord standing over death, breaking the gates of death once and for all. But maybe my most favorite part about this painting is what's on the left and the right. Because there's these two figures who are also central to the painting. And those are traditionally thought to be Adam and Eve. And it's this beautiful depiction of Jesus going all the way back to the very first individuals who were impacted by death and starting his saving mission with them. And then if you'll notice over their shoulders, there's a a series of faces. Traditionally thought to be men and women of faith, heroes of faith who have walked the path of faith before, who though they were temporarily in this place of death, they are following the path of Jesus to life. And it's this powerful reminder that Jesus is this pioneer who has broken through death, who has defeated death once and for all, and he is leading us to life. So that even if we are in a season where we feel like we've lost our way, we can look up and know that there's one who has gone before us and he's leading us to life. And we stand with all of these other heroes and men and women of faith who are walking the journey in the same direction. And it's this image that points us to the second and other time where the writer of Hebrews uses this same word for Jesus' pioneer. Hebrews 11 is probably the most famous chapter in the book of Hebrews because it recounts all of these heroes of faith by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And at the very end of chapter 11 the writer kind of issues this commission for the people of God, the church, us, to continue to walk this path by faith. And then he turns his attention to Jesus at the beginning of chapter 12. And I don't know if you have a verse that you want to focus on for the new year. I don't know if there's a passage or a picture of Jesus that you want to turn your attention to, but I can think of no better passage to end our year and to begin a new one than us hearing these words and seeing this picture of Jesus. Because this is said about Jesus to us in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that Jesus knows in every way what it's like to walk through this life. And what it's like to walk through 
the valley of the shadow of death, but also what it's like to come out on the other side where death and darkness do not have the final word. And so as we journey to the end of of an old year and we journey into a new year, and as we continue to journey on this walk of faith, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We pray these things in his name. Amen. If you have any response to the invitation this morning and you want to make that response public, you can come up to the front and do that. If you need things to be prayed about and you want to do that in a more private setting, we'll have shepherding couples in the back who are ready to receive you. Whatever your need is, we invite you to come now while we stand and sing.